0: We did a podcast a few years back titled Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song. And in this six-part series, hosts Tyrone Miller and Justin Barney find that answer eventually. It also happens that this year is hip-hop's 50th anniversary. So to honor Milwaukee and the anniversary, we decided for the month of September that we will be recapping Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's
1: first hip-hop song.
2: Are you ready?
3: Backspin: The search for Milwaukee's first hip hop song with 889 DJ Tyrone Miller and music director Justin Barney. This is Backspin.
4: So we're here at this point, right, Justin? We finally made it to what we think is close to the end, right? Are we here?
3: We are as close to the end as we can get. We are
4: as close to the end as we, we can get. We started with a record collector, and we started with this, this statement that Andy Noble said, this is Milwaukee's first hip-hop song, this accident, right? We talked to the Majestics. They made a rap song, but they don't care about the culture. We talked to everybody else who was back there doing it, all those guys, the DJs, MCs, radio hosts, and then they all told a speech. And speech actually says, yes, I did it. That's me. But he admits there were other rap songs before. So I want to know from you, sir, Mister Zero Zero One. Does Zero Zero One matter to you still?
3: In a technical sense, Zero Zero One matters. Yeah, you know it. Like it mattered. Look, the label matters. The label matters. You know, yeah. and the details matter. We can't ignore that Zero Zero One matters. But also, the culture does matter. Mm-hmm. If you know, in the New York scene, it, and it it also goes back to like, you know, what is rapping? What is hip hop? There are people right. that have, you know, talked fast on tracks right. since you know before rap existed. Right. So right, it's right. like, what you know, what technically, what is rapping? And they may have made a song that was technically a disco rap song that was like part of this fad, but also the culture matters, and like, yeah, and the culture matters because. Everyone told us that it
4: matters. (laughs) Right. And not because we want to claim that. (laughs) Not
3: because we want
4: to say, yo, we're real hip-hop heads or whatever. But the people who were back there, who were making the music, who saw all this stuff on TV and saw this culture being built out of New York and this new thing. they were. and, And remember, they were teenagers. They were kids growing up and finally connected with something that mattered to them they say, yo, the culture matters more than anything. They don't care. You know, DJ Sherman, his whole thing about to me, to me this matters. You know, to me it was speech, to me. But, you know, you have to still respect the majestics in a sense because you know, you think about even though disco rap were were some of the first rap songs, it still was something new. You know, these guys were still influenced by you know, the disco rap songs you know, so the Sugar Hill Gang. So it still matters to them in such a way. So I feel like we still have to, we gotta listen to them, you know. It, you know, we have to hear these songs and you know think about what they meant.
3: Yeah, I think that zero zero one, that Majestics Class A, would have mattered, and there would have been proof if it, if it mattered, there wouldn't be a gap between the two. Mm. You know, mm. we wouldn't have the gap. That's a really good point. From nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty five, if it did matter, right? Because, because somebody
4: would have been influenced. Somebody would have said, "Yo, this." I love it. I'm attached to this, right, and let's do it more. you know, let's make more of this,
3: right. and that's what happened with with speech, yeah, with speech with attack on the wax. It was like suddenly, like all these other guys are doing it, and so it living on the island kind mm. of you know, lets us know right that it was technically first, but culturally like as a touch point as yeah. something that was a movement and the culture of hip hop that. It was not one in terms of hip hop. It was one on paper to nerds, to (laughs) record heads, to people that are paying attention to this kind of stuff. Just the spreadsheet, right? Right. Just on the spreadsheet,
4: and it's funny because even though "Rappers Delight" from the Sugar Hill Gang, sure, disco rapper, whatever you want to call it, we all remember it and we all so that is the difference between the two even though they're both technically disco rapper kind of built out of the same idea one is remembered one is revered as the first by the entire world to say this is where it started this is what kicked it off and there were people who followed after that and back to your point the Majestics did it and even them they themselves didn't follow after that they just uh, made this song it was like yeah we're done
3: with this shit, they right? are we're- Chocolate Ice 2 today right <laughs> performing like James Brown like exactly. Harvey Scales you and,
4: you know, and that's it. So you're right, man. That, that's a really good point. So you, we've been debating this for six episodes now, all this time, interviewing, talking to so many people. But I think it would be best if we give our listeners just the chance to listen to these two songs.
3: Yeah, we got to let you decide. You got to listen to and take in all the information of both sides, listen to both songs, and let's just see how they compare. So this is The Majestics. Uh, let's let's remember the Majestics here. Technically, zero, zero, 001. This is the technical zero zero. Milwaukee's one. first yep. hip hop song, Class A, on New World Records. It came out in 1982. At the time, the Majestics had been a band since 1963. They're Harvey Scales. They're James Brown. They're entertainers. Funky. They they soul food. They uh-huh. they
4: make soul food. They don't make fast food.
3: They were brought into the studio by Marvel Love and forced to make this song. Because of
4: where? Because of that convention that Marvell Love went to. Convention rap. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, already, this reminds me of Marvin Gaye. You know, got to give it up. The, the huh? people talking, having fun in the background. And now we got this funk song with this long intro. I love this it, man.
3: We're coming at you loud and
1: clear. I sound the strong. definitely
4: a 1982 <laughs> rap. <laughs> Disco rap to the core. We are
1: down and for real. We all have a lot of sex. And it's
4: funny, you know, remember they talked about them making the song in their kitchen, making the bass line and getting it ready for the studio. This, I can see them writing these raps, like writing these lyrics down and just getting
3: them ready for the studio this is party rap this is disco rap i mean they've got the you got the atmosphere in the room you know like when hip-hop started it was people it was people getting together and listening to this music and that was like the first records were like wanted to be a recording of that room and this is like this is what hip-hop is it's people in a room listening to breakbeats mcs rapping over them this is classic disco rap
4: and it just reminds me, I mean, this is perfect Sugar Hill game. Like, this is, this, if this, this could definitely be on that same label right next to Rapper's Delight. This is, this is it. And it's crazy. I mean, it was only three years later. You know, Milwaukee wasn't that far behind the national scene. This is just cool to hear.
1: Don't sit around.
2: I want to tell all you ladies and all you gents what I'm about to say Here's the legit. We don't have a master or a degree, but there's no telling what we'll be. So grab along on the farm don't sit around because the wide receiver got nothing on us. And it's cool
4: about that like the fun and freedom this you can you can tell this this is a band. This is a solid band. They've been performing. The song is funky. And that it started with that bassline, you know. They talked the Majestic's talking about starting with that bassline in the kitchen. And that's being the part of the song that every single person remembers. The people who remember this song remember this bass line. Because it's looped a million times. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's definitely remembered. It, you just remember the
1: it. We this era, It's
3: just the same delivery. Over right. and over.
2: <laughs> <the> <laughs>
4: <variation. laughs> Call the response. That's all. So late seventies, early eighties. That's what I'm talking about, and that's them performing live. They want that crowd reaction. They're they they're used to that. And in nineteen eighty two, that's how with hip hop. That's how you got the crowd to respond. Yeah. This is this reminds me exactly of Curtis blow the brakes with that call and response. Everybody say hey ho, like that's that's the early stuff. I, that's exactly it. Kinda of makes you wonder what it was like in that studio, tracks 32. What was it like in that room? It sounds fun, it sounds exciting, Mar- it sounds I energetic. <laughs> Staring outside like this is the rap song. This, this is it. Is it. We're this is my it. rap song. <laughs> Give me the money.
3: <laughs> I love his voice. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just got he's got a great voice. Yeah. It's not a rapper's voice, though. No, you know it's definitely there's not so it. much there that he's not using.
4: It's not the bassy I'm on the mic, give me the microphone grab it. It's just I'm a funk dude. And it's, he sounds really similar today than, as he does it before.
3: That's it. Class A. Class the Majestics a. 1982 New World Records zero zero one. It,
4: it's technically the first. His speech is not denying it either. They made, you know, the Majestics made Milwaukee's, Wisconsin's for, first hip-hop song. But We got to, you know, we got to think about this because from, as you mentioned earlier, from 1982 to when Attack on the Wax happened, three, four years of nothing. There wasn't copycats. There weren't anybody saying, hey, we love this majestic song. We got to make another one like it. We got to get it connected to this culture. It wasn't until Attack on the Wax 1 came out in 85. And then Attack on the Wax 2 in eighty six. So that's these gap years. What's going on between these three, four years?
3: Yeah, and this it kind of reflects the national scene where mm-hmm. there was disco rap and at the in the late seventies and mm-hmm. early eighties and then there was a transition in that mid eighties period. And to come in and talk about the national scene yeah. as we do. Yeah. We need Jordan Lee, our hip hop expert. Jordan.
0: Hey, thanks for having me back in studio with you guys. Thank right.
3: you for coming in. We need you so we need you to talk about the gap years. I mean they're a bit skewed cuz in Milwaukee because we're a right. bit later a than lighter. New Two York. Three years later, Of yeah. course. Right, but this to more so to talk about the period uh between disco rap and then what disco rap turns into, which is just rap. Rap.
0: <laughs> so you guys have drawn this line between disco rap and what you're calling non-disco right, rap. Right, right. I think it's an important uh, note here that we have to use technology as the place where that line gets drawn. Okay. Songs like Rapper's Delight, songs like The Breaks by Curtis Blow. These feature funk grooves created by bands and studios because at the time, the drum sampling technology was not up to par. Right, There wasn't a way where you could recreate the Grandmaster Flash merry-go-round looping technique to create a break to rap over. It just wasn't there so yet. So
4: that's pretty much that's what the Majestics are doing, yeah.
3: exactly. in Class A.
0: Because that's what the sound was of 1979, 80,
3: 81, and Class A came out in 82. They got a live band in the studio to make that.
0: So, 1980, the Lindrum comes out. And this is the first time that real snare and kick samples were inside of a piece of technology. Mm-hmm. Now, you can be a drummer with just a box. Fast forward to the SP-12 and then eventually the MPC-60. These pieces of technology ultimately created the opportunity for us to create rap music as we know it and eventually gets us to the sound of what we hear from groups like Attack. The ability to take a single sound and hit it over and over again, the ability to put that sound into an SP-12 and to hit it over and over again gives you that hard sound. Also, obviously, the Roland 808 became a critical component (laughs) in this sound and really ultimately became that the 808 is the electric guitar of rap music. Right. Yeah. You think about that time of rock and roll music pre the electric guitar. It was much more like swing once the electric guitar came on the scene game over right the wizard of waukesha plugs an electric guitar in and all of a sudden it's on right Right. and little richard and guys like that were able to totally change the way we dance so the 808 drum machine was a very synthesized sounding drum machine unlike the lin drum which had more of a real feel the 808 was obviously a computer and it had a low-end frequency that was unmatched unparalleled and still to this day nothing sounds like an 808 kick that defined rap music. And you think about the fad of rap music. You think about this idea like this won't last. Well, disco rap sounded fatty. Mm-hmm. It sounded like something that was going to go away. But once the drum machines and the samplers came into play, this was a whole new sonic timbre that no one had experienced before.
3: So the Majestics, they are riffing off of Sugar Hill Gang yes, out of like, Sugar Hill Records and bands like that are doing disco rap like that that's not what attack is at all that's not what they're going for what's going on the national scene that the bands that they're looking at
0: I'm positive that speech and everyone who were making beats at that time were looking to producers like Marley Mall as their like Mm -hmm. blueprint this is again think about KRS-One's The Bridge is Over hard sounds but not coming from hard records. That's a James Brown funk sample in there. But the way it's processed by the computer, it creates this aggressive sound to it. And it's the syncopated rhythmic programming that creates what is still to this day the key element in hip hop. Today, key elements of triplet hi-hats and 808
4: kicks, those are- The hardest sounds you want possible. To bang in the club and to bang out the speakers. (laughs) That
0: is what was motivating speech and everyone else at this time who was trying to understand how do we make beats that sound like that.
4: And I think also you have to think about the young folks being involved in making hip hop. When you think about these old, these funk bands, they're older, they're the adults, they're the ones making it happen. But if you're the young folks, Run DMC young, L O Cool J young, these are young people that they can relate to, they can look up to and say, wow, I want to be just like these guys, not my parents. I don't want to go, you know what I mean, sound like my parents' old music. I want something new and something different that is me. And Tyrone, you just referenced
0: two quintessential artists, Run DMC, LL Cool J. When you listen to Attack on the Wax... The production quality and the technique is almost a carbon copy of early Def Jam Mm -hmm. records. And this is exactly what they were listening to at the time. And there's no coincidence that they sound the way they do, just like there's no coincidence that Class A sounds like Curtis Blow.
4: And it took just a couple years, just the same way where, you know, Class A was three years after. Uh, you know, yeah, the first uh, Sugar, Sugar Hill, Hill Gang, Gang. seventy nine, Class A eighty two. So now you got Run DMC eighty one, eighty two, and you got Attack on a Wax eighty five, eighty six. Exactly. And at this t- point in time, you know how
0: these things go. They get played on the radio, records get pressed and get spun in clubs. It takes a little time for these sounds to reach from New York to Milwaukee. But once they have penetrated the market, and you got JDL spinning these records in the club, <laughs> you know, right. and Doctor B is out there playing these records at the party. That's when they're sitting in the cut. Listening, thinking like,
3: how do we make it sound like that? And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, when uh, the Majestics went to the studio, the studios in Milwaukee were named for how complicated they were as <laughs> right, studios right, you know right, tracks so... 32 is because they have 32 <laughs> tracks yep. and now when you've got the 808 when you've got the lindrum and you've got things where you can just when you've got the technology where you can loop sounds right. that that gives the studio to these kids you exactly. need four tracks
0: now to you record need Four right. tracks
3: yeah and uh uh peachy you know he his parents own uh, uh what was it the Foxtrap, and they own the Milwaukee Community Journal. And so they have the money to have the means to buy Peachy the equipment to start this culture of hip-hop that he does start in Milwaukee.
0: And that's not unlike what's happening in New York at the same time. I mean, Rick Rubin came from a situation where he was able to get his hands on an 808. And Ad
4: Rock went on to say later in life, no one's 808 sounded like Rick Rubin's 808. And, and that's the same thing, even in the DJ scene, Doc B talking about, or people talking about, he was the only one that had Technique 1200s, the best turntables back in the 80s. If you had that gear, you just sounded different than everybody else.
3: There is a line in Attack on the Wax, or Attack on the Wax 2, where he brags about having the technology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, is the most, that is in the song. That is right. the most hip-hop thing I've ever heard <Right>.
4: Alright, so we've been talking all about you know the change in technology in hip-hop. Let's just take a listen to Attack on the Wax. And let's listen to part one and then part two so we can hear even just the difference in just mm. one year's worth of speech, Peachy, aka Ty Thomas, doing his thing on his Lindrum.
3: Yeah, Jordan, you want to stick around with us so you can explain some of the technical stuff?
0: I'd be honored to.
2: music is formatic It's implied without standing <laughs> but now not my rhymes give us something like kind over nine put appropriate in battle whenever it's time you know excuse me peachy may i may you what may it on the
4: turntables so smooth man I'm so little... smooth
0: <laughs> so already we have elements that were not anywhere close to this when we're talking about class A. We've got a very syncopated hi-hat, and obviously not human performance here. This is a computer right. making these beats. Then we've got scratching.
4: Yeah, Scratching
0: and- is the, that's the jazz saxophone of this okay. genre. It is the most unique thing.
4: Uh, no one knew how to make these sounds right. even at that and time. And Speech was already DJing at this point for right. about seven, eight years. Yes, You know, since he was 13, so he was already really qualified with him and his group, The Knights of the Turntables. We're also hearing elements of
0: the Lindrum in this. That's that Again, that's a sample of a snare, but it, the way it's processed, you can hear it just sounds different. Why? Of course. Peachy on the steel, and you know he's chill to take this under his hand cuz that's the real deal fresh beats are delivered to the north and
3: southern at any given. But
4: listen to the lyrics though the way he's rhyming is so different than the Majestic's class say it's just a whole different way of rhyming and putting music together and making lyrics for hip hop
0: Right and it's it's a clever rhyme uh the, the disco rap style was a was a party rhyme it was a chantable sing along song this is like Creativity and lyricism. We've not heard that prior to this.
4: And it is cool because of the back and forth between all the members of the group. You know what I mean? So now we have this group dynamic of both of them going back, spinning rhymes, talking to each other, run DMC 100 percent So they were listening to Run DMC, saw that, heard it, and then I right, we have to do this too. Did you ever realize how
2: effective your can make you at a different brand? no but it seems quite interesting oh indeed it is but there is just one thing you must admonish all me,
0: be beastie boys boy boy did this run dmc did this this is how it got down all groups the treacherous three they would share off on those
4: creative l- lyrical tosses between each other but then it's also added to the live performance yeah. because seeing this go back and forth live is just amazing you absolutely know? And it just adds to the, that
0: episode. Also, every single element in here is so computerized and fake. Yeah. But that's the aesthetic that you want. That's right. the that's the defining qualities that continue to make the hip hop genre what it was and is today.
3: Not Pioneer or Sanyo. That's it. That's the line right there. Okay, so I had I, I, I had Pioneer
0: equipment. back in the day. They are not right. w- they are not what they are today. Back in when I started in the early '90s, that was a totally different. Yeah. You did not want Pioneer gear, but hey, back techniques then. are still the one, still to this day, and that speaks volumes too about what we're talking about. The the bedrock of the culture and what creates hip hop culture and music. Technique twelve hundreds. That's the gold standard in 1985. It's the gold standard in 2019. Yep. The golden era. The 808 is the gold standard in 1985. It is the gold standard in 2019.
4: So everybody talked about how Attack on the Wax 1 came out. People liked it. But then when Attack on the Wax 2 and the EP that it was on, those four songs, that was the one.
3: On the Pink Vinyl.
4: On the- <laughs> oh. and so-
0: well, already we're introducing a guitar element, Man. which is right. reminiscent of some of the best Run DMC songs at the time, like Rockerbox or, right. or King of Rock.
4: Right and so you can just hear how much more energy how much juice this song has mm-hmm. this is harder this is way harder mm-hmm.
0: it's produced better there's more layers the scratching has improved
4: dramatically right. it's
3: undeniably better
4: yeah and then it's on this EP with these other songs you that know what I mean all so good. You, you have yeah. such a you know you got much more to tune from absolutely
3: now they're rapping on top of each other
4: too have a little layer. so he was definitely listening to more music and just getting better and better but I think the about this is that this is all the elements of hip-hop that we know it even still yeah. of today yes so the scratching the and the trade-off the going back and forth just the way the beat is produced yep. this is this is hip-hop this is no doubt a hip-hop song at all you're not gonna wonder like oh is this the funk song or is this a rap yeah, song yeah. this is a yeah. rap it's song. A rap song right. Right.
0: Oh, those stabs. Also, this is a defining characteristic of speech that continues into the rest of development. Sing songy things, Mm. adding vocal elements. Later on other VU releases, he would actually sing melodies. Okay. There would be a part of a song where it was like da da da, da yeah. and he was just singing it that yeah. it wasn't performed
4: by any musicians that is the most hip hop thing ever And I think this makes sense why so many people went to speech for their production. I mean, because he's making high quality. His songs and his goal, as he talked about, he wanted to sound just like New York. He didn't want the level of quality to drop off between Milwaukee songs and New York songs. And so everybody heard this like, yo, I need speech.
3: I need Peachy making my song. And to me, this is like, this is the beginning. What we're talking about, like before hip hop, there was nothing, you know, and then suddenly there was hip hop. It's like you listen to Class A by the Majestics. It's like this has. Elements of like a whole ton of stuff. This sounds like a completely new genre. This This sounds like nothing. This is
4: young. This is energy. You know, class A is like, oh, my my dad tried rapping one time and made a song.
0: Oh, and And it's a whole new part. Now, okay, now this is also, I'm the king of right. This is flexing. This is flexing Peachy's prowess, man. Like, no wonder you want him to record your record. This is, this is again on par with. The best run DMC, right. the best Roxanne Chante, <laughs> the best yeah. Fat Boy song. Whatever was popping at that time, this is sonically on part with, in yeah. the,
2: midst of the jam. No half-stepping. Use the chilling technique. as a DJ super weapon. And even more specific. Not Pioneer I'll buddies. Give me them text, man. I need my
0: techniques. I'm rocking techniques today, <laughs> man. And only show up at the party just to save their claim. If people
2: holler battle, that's what they'll get. But the other DJs at the end will regret. And to the egotistic buddies, there is no need because we all have one.
4: But I mean, and, and not only just the hip-hop element, but just this battle element. Like, we are the best. we we we're yeah. battling. You know what I mean? This is early 80s. I'm I'm the best MC. I'm the we got the best DJ. We're you know you can't stop us.
0: Yes, and this is at a time too. Like this is right when rap and rock are about to merge. I mean, Tyrone, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the same year that Walk This Way, Run, DMC, and Aerosmith comes out. July 4th, 1986. (laughs) I mean, this is what is popping in hip-hop in the moment.
4: Exactly. And then a beatbox in. This... That. Fat boys, so eat when, it. when speech when speech comes in and says, brothers that did it, brothers that made it, it was our group. It may have been some before, but we did it. This is what he's saying. This is exactly what he means. You've got scratching
0: on point. You've got beatboxing on right. point. You've got drum machines right. on point. That is quintessential hip-hop.
4: And I think but you think about it in terms of radio. What station, is this song getting played on a rap station or a funk station? Even uh, back in the day. Duh. It's playing on the rap station. What station There's no is R&B and
0: funk DJ who's going to mess with that right, song back
4: Right, right. Day. So what, and then Class A. Is that getting played ever on a, a new rap station? Beach talked about performing this. People talked about him performing around schools and just around the city. Yes. This got so much traction because, again, this is young folks' music. This is hip-hop. This is this new thing that speaks to us. This is our thing.
3: All right, Jordan, thank you for coming and giving us that world of knowledge. Yes, that analysis. We needed to figure it out because we got to
4: make some decision. We got to figure this out ourselves.
0: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to dump all this nerdy stuff out of my brain that I've been absorbing (laughs) for the last 30 years of my life.
3: Yes, thank you for being a hip-hop nerd. Hip-hop nerd
4: out. All right, so we're back here to this point. You know, we heard both of these songs, finally listened to them. Listeners, y'all heard them. I mean, what do you think, Justin? What what Out of all those three, you know, Class A, Attack on the Wax
3: Part 1, Attack on the Wax Part 2, what do you like the most? I mean, I, I like "Attacking the Wax 2 the most. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> like, do. I know you do. It's Mr. such Zero a good Zero song. <laughs> it's such a good song. But this isn't what song of the era that we personally liked the most right right we started off with the question what is milwaukee's first hip-hop song
4: and and the funny part about that is when i was reaching out to people everybody had a different answer everybody was confused themselves too and we get to this point of finally saying all right culture versus just the song
3: yeah and uh i remember when we started talking about this and we started this idea when i like wrote it down in my yeah. notebook yeah i wrote the majestics class a you know like milwaukee's first hip-hop song majestics class a i i was like well this is it you know like right. yeah, i had like let's just I get had the rest it. of this I, story i wrote it, in it down dots, like, yeah yeah like what a good what a good story to write about the majestics class a and then once we started going into it once i did the first interview with yeah. daryl d and i was like what is I, I was like tell me about the majestics and he was like the whole time he just wanted to talk about peachy
1: yeah
3: right <laughs> and it
2: was like well you're like every, but wait it's before that right
3: but that you but that's not it right. you're wrong and so it this is really it, it was it just wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to mm-hmm. be the first song We went, I felt like I went in with the story of being like, I want to tell the story of Majestics Class A. And then uh, everything that we got back was just. And I think that goes to,
4: it goes back to just what hip hop is. You know, rap is something, KRS-One, rap is something you do. Hip hop is something you live. And so rap is something that the Majestics did one time they dipped their toe into making a rap song and that was it. But hip hop is this thing that you live, this culture that you live and breathe every day. The elements, the community aspect, and everybody we talked to not only talked about the music but something else around that, around what the culture meant to them. So it's more so about what did what did these songs mean to you? Is what everybody wanted to tell you tell us and how the hip hop culture and how they connected to the culture of hip-hop. And I think that's where we get to this kind of, you know, turning point about does the first matter or does this culture that blew up in Milwaukee and that started
3: everything matter more? And that that culture conversation is, is like, really, I feel like something I pulled out from, from this. You yeah. know, like, and I came in wanting the story. Yeah. And uh, loving the story. And I love the story. Yeah. I love the story of... The Majestics. And to me, like I came out, I remember coming out from talking to Andy Noble and being like, this is a story about, you know, business versus art, right? This, this is like the Majestics went in and the Majestics were this band that was making R and B music, yeah. and then comes in Marvel Love, the businessman with, with a the business, business plan. plan. <laughs> and Marvel is like kind of like the villain in yeah. this story, right? And he is like this larger than life figure who goes to this conference and sees hip hop being played, and yeah. then wants to do this out of out of money, and he wants to release this record and have his record label be successful, and he releases. Uh, the Majestics. He makes yeah. these kids record. Uh, the Majestics Class A, and he doesn't have anything to show for it, right? And then Peachy comes along. Right. This kid who doesn't have money. I mean, yeah. I mean, he does. Ha- his right. parents he, have he money, somebody, but but he but he is not doing it because he's got a record right. label and he wants to release a song. He's doing it because of the love of the game. Because of all the
4: things that he saw, was influenced by. Because he's. Around his, his friends yeah. who are
3: in, high, like, who are 12, 13 years old, right. who are doing this too and who love this culture. Right. And so he makes this um, from the love of his heart. Right. And that's what comes up and succeeds at the and, end. And see, for me,
4: I never, shockingly, I never cared about 001. I, <laughs> I honestly cared about just talking to these guys about what they went through. I wanted to hear about the roller skating rink, I wanted to hear about the palace and what they felt they lived through, you know what I mean? That mattered to them so much. like, tell me about just what 1981 was like, not just, you know, with hip hop, but with Milwaukee too. So you got so much more than just what was the song. It was about, this is how we live. This is what mattered to me. Because, you know, I was born in 1984. So to think about, they were doing all of this amazing things, all these young people. In Milwaukee, doing all of these amazing things, making this amazing music, early DJing, producing, being on radio as kids, as young folks. It's like that's what interested me so much.
3: Yeah. And also me from being from the city, it's like we have lived in this city our whole lives. Yeah. And I loved hearing about all of the stuff that was different yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. all of like hearing about the palace right. about Audie's records on right. north about like creating this map in my mind of right. this culture that existed that started this whole thing
4: you know and it, you know I and for so we're kind of left to, to this point of you know why does this matter like why did we spend six episodes six months studying and figuring out calling people setting up these interviews and I think speech had and I asked him I asked speech directly why did this matter to him and he gave a really great answer I,
2: it's I've learned that history is it's always an occurrent. It's a current event. Like hi- all history is a current event. So the reason it's important is because nothing's new under the sun. What we've done and what we did with attack is what some crew in Milwaukee is thinking of or is doing right now. So to see our blueprint is to try to understand how things work. It's to be inspired by the fact that we just put a flyer up in the hallway of the Art Institute of Atlanta and Arrested Development became, or that I got a crew of people to hang with me and do this group called Attack, and we tried one record, it wasn't so hot, we did another record, it was hotter, and and it grew from there. So like, people could learn that really All history is a current event. Somebody's doing what we're doing, what we were doing back in the 80s. Somebody's basically doing that right now, but in this day and age and with the sound that they have.
4: And hearing speech say that, it just makes me just be proud to be from Milwaukee, to think about the culture that he created from just one song that sparked this mini Def Jam era in Milwaukee. And even shout-out to the Majestics, the Majestics with Class A. Absolutely.
3: Shout-out Marvel Love. Yeah,
4: taking a you chance know? on a rap record when, hey, maybe people could have looked at them funny and, you know, tore them down or something, but they still did it. And so just from the late 80s, all the way till now we're seeing milwaukee hip-hop just have this boom so much talent in this city so many artists making all different types of rap music from the cuckoo cows to the you know the new young folks like the ish dars webster x whoever it is it's the exact same thing they found this culture that they connected to they made the music and then they're representing this city and getting this music out to the world
3: and like speech was saying there like history is a current event and when you're living in it it doesn't feel like you're doing something important right and for for us it's like it's important to tell these stories because history is the stories that you tell and it's important to to like to let other people know that this is important, yeah. that this moment was important, that even though that they were living through it at the time yeah. and they were just kids yeah. in their basements making songs, that these are things that matter, you know, decades away from now Yeah, I mean, you know,
4: Peachy talked about Rocky, Rockman Jr. He just wanted to be like him growing up, you know, and so that's why he named himself Peachy. And then everybody heard Peach make a song and then everybody wanted to be like him. And then you can just see this trail, you know, this path happen over and over with Milwaukee music and just the city about people just being inspired by somebody from the past. You don't have to go outside the city and find something that you connect with and love with, and it just makes it even better. Shout out to Milwaukee. Shout out to everybody in this story.
3: Shout out to everybody who's doing something that they love. Yeah. You know, who is hearing something new and making something new and taking a chance. So the only thing that that I did want to say and mention at the end here is that Majestic's Class A is Milwaukee's first hip-hop song until Andy Noble finds the new one.
4: Exactly, until he goes and digs more and more and randomly finds right, another funk band that happened to spit some bars.
3: Till he's in an attic on the north side and he's <laughs> digging through a crate yeah. and he picks up a forty-five and flips it over and it says, 1981.
4: Right, or 1980, whatever, and he plays it.
3: Oh, they're rapping. This is it. Uh-huh. This is the rap song. This uh-huh. is the first one. It's, it's the first one until we find the new first one.
0: I mean, there's always tomorrow. I can always go out and find one 45 that one guy put out and nobody bought and he just gave them out to people as church you know so you never know with this
4: well it's been fun justin i'm glad we're able to do this together and i'm glad we we kind of didn't come to the definite conclusion we thought we were but who cares man we learned (laughs) you know we learned milwaukee is amazing whether you're on you know the team of class a whether you're on the team of pt and you know attacking the wax you're rocking Milwaukee, you're, rock, you're repping this city, and you're repping young folks doing amazing things and changing the planet.
3: And we know the key to love. <laughs> and we know <laughs> the
4: key to motherfucking love is understanding.
2: key to love.
1: Hey, this is Backspin Executive Producer Nate Imig. We thank you for listening, and we've got some thank yous to do ourselves. Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song, is hosted by Tyrone Miller and Justin Barney, produced by Jordan Lee and Kenny Perez, with segment producing by Salam Fatayer. Evan Retlesky does our web content, Sarah McClanahan is 889's marketing director, with social media managed by Amelinda Burrich. Digital distribution by Tariq Moody, Aaron Bagata is our marketing coordinator. Community outreach by Peter Adams and Maddie Reardon. Project management support by Laura Kesman and animation from Lucas Seidel. Also want to thank our interns, Zoe Knox, Anthony Massans, and Jonathan Hudson. Of course, a big thanks to our partners, RevPop, The License Lab, Hip Hop Week MKE, and Kid Millions. He dug up all that amazing vinyl that you hear in the podcast. Also thanks to our media partners, On Milwaukee, Breaking and Entering, and The Milwaukee Times. You can stream all six episodes of Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song, on all major podcast platforms and, of course, at radiomilwaukee.org backspin. Backspin, the search for Milwaukee's first hip-hop song, is an original podcast production of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee.